working. Okay, can everyone hear me? Give a thumbs up if you can hear me. Is it is it good? Is it is the audio quality better? I do not know what happened. I apologize. That was wild. That was wild, wild, wild. Um yeah, I don't know. Something happened with my my microphone and it just stopped stopped working and then it accidentally destroyed the room. Uh so here we are. We're back. <laughs> um Ja was telling us all about the musical and we were having that very nice discussion. So hopefully Ja comes back in. Dr. No, no, you're still here. Yes, do I you, am. So you, we need another way for you to listen to the audio. So if you want to do the, what we were doing before. Yeah, I can uh, use my AirPods. Yeah, yeah, do that. What, can you still hear me on that? I mean, you're sitting right in front of me. I can hear you regardless. <laughs> but can you hear me through the headphones? No. Where's that coming from? Is that from your it's computer? From my phone. From your phone? Okay, cool. All right. Well, let's try this again. Um, let's just do, take some calls. Hopefully, Joe calls back in and we'll, we'll get it going again. But uh, let's go ahead and take Thomas's call. Can you, Are you connected already, Dr. Nono? Yes. Okay. Thomas, hey, what's up? Welcome to hey, uh, uh, I Meant to Do That, the, the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. yeah no. It, it definitely did sound like your uh your bluetooth was like having a hell of a time over there um yeah but no i so uh i just wanted to say uh i mean uh, i think one thing that we need to be looking at potentially to help supplement some of these areas like i don't understand why um you know if it costs a lot of money to uh you know uh you know, pull up all the water lines and, or re, you know, do a major works project, like, uh, you know, um, building a new water treatment plant and other stuff like that. I mean, obviously, you know, they're, they're going to try to work to get the, the Jackson plant up and, and, and functioning properly. But, you know, right. if those, if those things are, you know, cost prohibitive or something that can't be done immediately, you know, what I don't understand is, is why aren't we putting more into, um, you know, uh, putting more money into uh, uh, public rain collection um, for for these communities and actually giving them uh, uh, ways of filtering rainwater, um, at least to help supplement their water access, so they don't have to be buying like you know lots and spending lots of money on buying bottled water. Like I don't understand. Like it seems like it would be more cost effective. Yeah, I, the thing I just worry about that, I mean, that's a really good point, Thomas, but the thing that I worry about when talking about that is it does sound like the end times kind of issue, right? Like you have <laughs> people who are now responsible for collecting their own rainwater to supplement their own water stream where we should have modern plumbing for everybody. You know, it seems like a huge step backwards. And another thing that's happening too, actually, uh, there are, I can't remember exactly where, this is occurring, but there are reports now that because of so many of the chemicals that have been getting into the rainwater, they're not filtering out through evaporation. So that rain's coming down yes, and it's that, maintaining why, those same chemicals. Well, yeah, yeah. If you're, well, the concentrations are lower. Um, it's not going to be, it's not necessarily going to be potable water. I mean, you could definitely wash with it. Um, but, but the, uh, in terms of, uh, uh, you know, water that you can drink. Yes, you have to pass it through filtration. I mean, that, that, that's yeah. a given. Um, but 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 this goes back to a larger issue, I think, too, 
You said end times, but I would argue it's not. I mean, yeah, I mean, but in general, though, we need to be switching actually over to rainwater in a lot more places um, because we're pumping water out of the groundwater and we're depleting uh, water tables across the nation. Um, and and it's and it's a it's a bigger issue. Um, you know, just as a perfect example about how much water falls versus water con consumption. Do you know that uh, more water lands on Tucson, Tucson, Arizona, than actually the city of Tucson uh, uses uh, in residentially? No, I did not know that. Yes. So, so, so the city of Tucson, for example, instead of draining its water table, which has already dropped 300 feet in the course of 100 years, um, uh, they could be supplementing, uh, they, they could actually be replacing their water supply with, with rainwater if they actually caught it. Um, and, and, you know, th this is a, this is a story, you know, all over the country, actually, we should be shifting away from using groundwater, which is hard to, um, uh, refill, you know, um, you know, it's, it's hard to refill the aquifers. Um, and, uh, we should be shifting to, you know, a lot of water is actually lost to evaporation and other things like that. So to, to catch it, um, with rain, with rainwater collection actually is more sustainable long-term, um, and so in general, though, I mean, all around the world in this, like to the Pakistan example, um, we're seeing, you know, cases where, um, you know, we're, we're degrading the land, we're deforesting, we're um, losing topsoil, um, you know, overgrazing, over farming, all kinds of things are causing a situation where, where the, the land quality breaks down and you have, you know, large landslides and, you know, lots of, lots of, uh, Soil is carried away, carried away in large, in large uh, flooding events and stuff like that. Um, yeah. And you're you're seeing uh, likewise. We're seeing areas of the country, areas around the world, uh, um, where the water table is dropping so low that it becomes more and more cost prohibitive to to drill for it. Um, yeah. Uh, so I'm just I'm just saying, like, I, this is all part of a larger interconnected problem. You know, we're we're, we're, the way we handle water in the United States in general is, and around the world currently, is very bad. Um, yeah. We're not doing it in a way that's regenerative to the environment. Um, and so, you know, I mean, yes, uh, climate change is playing a role um, in, in, in water issues, but it wouldn't be impacting nearly as hard if we were actually doing proper proper water management in the first place. And... So, you know, I, I think um, being able to help uh, supplement or get people, supp you know, supplementing their water with uh, rainwater, I think, is not a bad idea in the long term anyways. Because if that yeah. community already is in a situation where their local government is incompetent um, to, to handle their uh, – to handle uh, maintaining public utilities. Um, I mean, it's, it's the same reason, like, I mean, would you, would you say everybody in – uh, you know, a lot of people are switching now to distributed grids and solar panels in uh, Puerto Rico because the uh, the uh, government's handling of uh, uh, power, uh, the power yeah. utilities, has been has been absolutely horrific, and nobody trusts yeah. them going forward with handling it. But so, isn't that like that's such a that's such a larger issue though too, right? Because yeah. if how are we getting to the point to where we're living in a country? where it is acceptable for people to, or it is required for people to find their own solutions to things like power because of the failures of the government. 
And it's not like the taxes have gone down. It's not like the spending has gone down. Um, it's just that they're only interested in funding proxy wars and not oh. in funding, you know, the infrastructure that's needed for their own people to live and survive and actually, you know, populate the country uh, to, I don't know, to be the future. It's so fucking crazy to me that there's no future planning at all on behalf of our uh, our government because we're just in this four-year cycle where, you know, four years, sometimes even two-year cycle where everyone's just talking about, you know, how the real issue with our government or with our lives, the real threat is somehow the fact that a transgender youth may want to get a sex change or something, or may want to have surgery or a puberty blocker. It's, it's insane. And that is, look, that is heartening to hear that the people of Puerto Rico, that people are finding their own solutions. It's heartening to hear about rainwater. And that is a wider conversation. It's a broader conversation that we need to have. But as long as there's a state, it needs to be doing something. It needs to be serving a function for the people. And the fact that, you know, when I hear about these things happening and the state is just this colossal failure, and then the solution that's being offered by these assholes is privatization, when a large, in large part, a lot of the reasons the state does what it does is because the people who private companies uh, lobby to get into power are trying to dismantle the effectiveness of the state. It's a vicious cycle and it's, it's literally unsustainable. Like that is unsustainable as a, as a system. So I, you know, I, to, be, to be clear though, to be clear though, I wasn't advocating for right, leave, right. leaving it to the residents of Jackson to do it on their own. I'm right. saying instead of waiting five years to build a new plant or, or in the case of Flint waiting 10, you know, 10 years to get all the lines ripped up and replaced. Uh -huh. I'm saying the state should be putting money itself towards building distributed um, uh, forms of rain in in one hundred percent to to actually to actually pipe to the residential customers. So instead of, instead of replacing it, replacing the current model, which is bad, they should build a in a, you know move to another model, which is easier to build, shorter to build. And can be more distributed and resilient in in the interim, and and and, and instead of going back to this old central water treatment model that continues to fail repeatedly, where we're seeing this, it's hmm. you know it, in in state after state, there's 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 at least bound to be a handful of communities in each state that are running yeah. it through the same problem, and. I'm, so I'm just saying, let's put money towards a better option instead of just building another water treatment plant. I, I agree with that 100%. And I hope it didn't seem like I was going off on you <laughs> when I'm talking no, no, about no, the no, state. No. I, 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 <laughs> yeah. But, but I, I just wanted to clarify. I just wanted to clarify. I mean, I mean, it's either, you know, the state could be giving them money in, in terms of credits to buy uh, the solutions. They have it integrated onto their own properties or they could be building. I mean, they could be building. Um, neighborhood cisterns that, that yeah. supply an entire neighborhood with water on on the public dollar. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. A really, really good point. But uh, Thomas, thank you so much for calling in. Uh, I really appreciate your insights, and that's something that we we should thank you look into. Don't you? Yeah, thank you. And uh, 
Marco, I know that you're you're up next, but I want to I want to let Ja finish his point um, about the musical too while we're here. So I appreciate your patience, Marco, uh, and your socialist pizza uh, tag as well. The best kind of pizza is obviously made by socialists. Uh, ja, welcome back. What up? Can you hear me? <laughs> yeah, I can. Can is my microphone? Is the microphone still good? You're sounding fantastic. I can hear all the micro nuances and tones. Oh, thank God. Okay. We're going back to ASMR, baby. Right, Doctor No No. Doctor No No, give us give, give us some of that voice. Give us some of that sweet, soothing. Oh, do you want to talk about the Mississippi crisis today? Oh, yeah, yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> Keep it going, yeah. Okay, sorry. That's, but, uh, that's for after dark. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll be doing a Mississippi after dark segment um, later on today. So stop. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I like to say, um, I I don't know if anyone in here has read Peter Joseph's um, the New Human Rights Movement, but Peter talks about a lot about smaller systems that we're going to um, have to start implementing uh, some, you know, things like rainwater um, catching systems and, and water purification systems that work on a very small local level because our government just ain't going to do it. I don't know if y'all ever seen uh, Deep Rising, old school movie from like 1998. I haven't, no. Dr. Nana, have you seen that? I have not. Okay. Basically, they were gonna like uh, sink this cruise ship or, or uh, for the insurance money, but before that could mm. happen, some very weird like um, blood sucking, blood drinking uh, uh, sea monster that's kind of kind of like an octopus or a squid ends up kind of uh, foiling the plan. But I say Ooh, all that to say America is the damn cruise ship. That is being set yeah. for the insurance money. <laughs> and they're not going to do it by... Let's just That's be true. absolutely real. They're just not going to do it. So yeah. if we want to live, and this is just practically and realistically, I, you know, we should continue to fight for... Absolutely, they should. And we're going to shame the hell out of them. And, you know, like, there's going to be... There needs to be some consequences for these elected officials who were propping up not doing these things at the beginning yeah. you know, and, and doing other things at the behest of corporations. But... Um, yeah, it, I, I, I agree with Andrew on that level. Um, and Peter Joseph goes into a lot of different small scale systems, particularly like with food, um, that we might want to start thinking about, uh, think about implementing. So, yeah, we, we definitely should. Um, we definitely need to start. Look, look, that that's kind of related to your point too, about, you know, before we crashed, um, with your character, your character motivations for the musical and these so, sort of CEOs and these people who keep uh, putting us closer and closer to oblivion uh, and their lack of ability to really think about long-term plans or their, their willingness to do these things. And why, why is it? And it's not just that they're all sociopaths though. Uh, again, I mean, like, look, some people are born, sociopathic or psychopathic it's it's not even a character flaw i think it's weird when we talk about it like that sometimes because uh, some people they literally do not have the same capacity to feel empathy or emotions and sure and they deserve a good life too just not at the 
expense of the human race, you know, of, of all of us. And there are ways to treat people who are actual sociopaths or actual psychopaths and make them more productive members of society. And there's some, uh, you know, a, a lot of therapists, and I don't know how much, uh, experience you have with this Dr. No-No, but uh, there are a lot of ways to sort of, uh, I, I almost want to say finesse, finesse psychopaths into uh, pro-social behaviors by framing things the right way or by by having, you know, psychological help that is geared towards making their behaviors pro-social. Mm -hmm. uh, would you agree with that? Yeah. So again, I'm a hospitalist. Um, this is more for a psychiatrist, but my dad is one, so I have a little bit of experience. Um, so typically, when you're kind of reframing, I got to take this over. When you're reframing the um, uh, the therapy for people who are considered what we, you know, psychopaths or um, narcissistic or borderline personality. It's all about, you know, psychotherapy and kind of readjusting how they think about situ certain situations and kind of reframing the way that they think about it and, you know, react to it in a, a socially accepted way. So that that therapy that they receive is lifelong um, because, you know, like I just said, this right. is more you're not this isn't something that just pops up, you know, out of nowhere, like people are born with this. It is literally a part of who they are as, right. as of their they, personality. They do not have the tools or the, the, the hardware within themselves yes. to naturally learn empathy, yes. to naturally learn the sympathy. Yes. Like those, those are, so when, you know, when we talk about psychopaths or sociopaths, it's, they, they, it's actually should be talked about in a way like any other sort of disorder or disability. Like they, they do not have it's not even like a character fault, you know? It's not a choice that they're really making. It's like being born without eyes, right? And you can't see. And we keep telling people, you have to see, you have to see, you have to see. And the dude's just saying, look, I literally do not have eyes. Um, and that's that's part of it. And and actually, I, I, sorry, Dr. No, no, I didn't mean to interrupt, but there's a, I think to some extent, a lot of the people who end up achieving these positions in particular, uh, Look, it, they've done like, uh, you know, like tests, not really tests, but like surveys and the like, but there's a disproportionate representation of people who are psychopaths, who are CEOs, mm -hmm. who are heads of Fortune 500 companies, who are in these positions, because it turns out that we've built a system that is some, you know, very inhumane, that empathy is not rewarded and the almighty dollar is rewarded mm -hmm. and getting what you want is rewarded. And, and a lot of they have an overrepresentation in these fields and in politics for that reason. So I do think there is part of the human experiences or, or part of, you know, how do you humanize a good portion of these people is one, we have to understand that this is really not through any particular fault of their own. It is, it's baby, I was born this way, you know? Yeah. Um, but to the extent that other people are not actually psychopaths or sociopaths, who are CEOs who are doing this antisocial behavior, we have to look at incentive structures. Yep. One of the biggest problems right now with the way that we value that any company is valued and the way that um, payment structures and, and sort of job security is secured in these companies is um, something called a, well, we won't go into the legal aspect of a, of a fiduciary duty, 
But what we will do is talk a little bit about um, sort of business administration. So these companies are usually, well, we'll talk about fiduciary duty a little bit, right? Fiduciary duty. Duty, right? <laughs> Some would say duty. Yeah, you we did, baby. That's right. Fiduciary. Um, so so here's here's the problem. A lot of people who are CEOs of companies, their job, right, as a CEO is to do what's in the best interest of the company. That's something called a fiduciary duty. Now, fiduciary duty is the idea. Uh, the best way to explain it is uh, a parent with a child. A parent, we say, has a duty to a child to do what they believe is in the child's best interest, to do something for the best interest of the child. That's usually what good parenting is seen as. Um, you know, you wouldn't do something or you shouldn't do something that's going to endanger the child's well-being or safety or anything like that. You owe a fiduciary duty. And it's the same to CEOs and people who are parts of companies. But who they owe the duty to are the shareholders of these companies. So the people who own, who have the most ownership stake in these companies. Now, one way to prove or to show that you've done your fiduciary duty and the main way to show that you're fulfilling your fiduciary duty. And this is what case law and how the courts have interpreted it. And I'm very much against this interpretation, but the idea is to maximize shareholder value. And this is done on a quarterly basis. So the idea of what makes a good CEO a good CEO in the minds of our legal system are, did you make the people who own the company or who are shareholders of the company as much money as possible for that quarter? So we're talking about four months, four months, four months. Are you doing what's best for this company four months, four months, four months? But here's what's here's the kicker. It's not what's best for the company. It's only what maximizes shareholder value. And if maximizing shareholder value means laying off a thousand workers and selling the company, then that maximizes shareholder value. If it means polluting the earth forever, irreversibly, and destroying uh the habitability of the planet, if it maximizes shareholder value, congratulations, you've done your job and you're under, you're under no, as long as you haven't committed a fraud or anything like that, um, you're not under any sort of uh, legal trouble for that. So we have a system with capitalism in particular, where you have all of these people whose job security and the money that they make and everything is dependent on that idea of maximizing shareholder value. That sort of short-term, four months at a time thinking, how much money can we make in four months? Who cares what it does to the planet? Who cares what it does to our workers? Who cares what it does to the long-term viability of our company? Who cares if, it, if, if we end up making shittier products and making those products break easier because it maximizes shareholder value? So, so much of the system is set up for this sort of antisocial behavior too. So the system itself is psychopathic, right? It is, and, and people caught within that system too, at every level are having to engage in things that would otherwise be, uh, you know, not necessarily criminal, but something that we could see as not good for our long-term prospects. And, you know, when you look at uh, somewhere like China and you, you wonder why they're able to achieve what they're able to achieve, well, they have at least a state or a, a, a state that is talking about long-term growth that is interested in the Chinese people 10 years down the line, 20 years down the line, 50 years down the line. 
when we are in a privatized where everything here is so privatized, where all these companies have competing interests and all of them are trying to get the short term profit gain. And especially when a lot of the shareholders, too, aren't going to hold people accountable to say, you know what, we should do what's in the best interest of our workers. Because a lot of them, look, if you're an 80 year old dude on the board of this company making millions or billions, your priorities are not the long term health of humanity. Your priorities are cocaine and hookers. And I can buy a lot of cocaine and hookers if I just if you if you give me that quarterly profit, baby, I need daddy needs to test out these cocaines. He needs it, you know, and that's that's where you end up going. And again, that's so when we talk about human beings, I do. And and like the CEOs, a lot of them are caught within that same system, Ja. You know, a lot of them are a lot of them. And then you start building up everything that goes around it the psychological benefits of people treat you differently. Look, and Dr. Nono, maybe you can attest to this. When I became a lawyer, when I just started telling people, you know, oh, what do you do for a living? I'm a lawyer. Immediately, almost every time, that it changes their disposition towards me. You should try it, telling people that you're an artist. <laughs> <laughs> I should. Honestly, I'd feel or a better. a fucking massage therapist. Yeah, right? Right? Which is fucking ridiculous, right? Like, literally nothing else has changed. I'm still the same asshole, right? I'm still the same dude, pre-law, post-law, whatever. But there's a certain clout that comes with it. I mean, like, Dr. No-No, no one can... Uh, you probably have someone come up to you and be like, Mrs. or Miss, and you could just say, it's doctor. I mean... Yeah, but it's happened so often that I just, I get tired of correcting people. I'm like, this happens all the time at work. Like, I literally am wearing a white coat. It has my name and MD, like, directly listed on my coat. And, you know, people still come up and ask, oh, nurse, can you bring me my tray or can you take the trash out? You know, and it's, I think half of it has to do with the fact that I'm a woman and the other fact has to do with I'm black. So it's, it happens. But you can correct them. I, oh, I, I do correct them. Um, Not that that should be on you, but like when you do, do you notice them being like, oh, my bad? Oh, they, I had someone apologize profusely. And I'm like, bruh, like it's, all the signs are here. Like, I don't know what you missed. Yeah. Um, but honestly, I'm like, all right, you know, whatever. And then just move on to doing whatever I was doing at that moment. So it's a very common occurrence. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But that makes sense. Do you think that mm-hmm. there is a social system that can be designed that that is not susceptible to corruption um, by people who, you know, exhibit these aberrant behaviors as described earlier in the show. Sure. Um, do, I, I think there are social systems that are more resilient to it. Um, and I think the closer we get, honestly, I, I, I don't think you're never going to be able to stop a person, nor should I, do I think you necessarily should be able to, but like, you know, there are always going to be people who want, you know, if you actually have real psychopaths or something like that, and they're actually not treated or, you know, they go off the rails or something, you're always going to have someone who wants to just brutalize or or, or have a system that just benefits them. Um, 
just get theirs. But there are things that you can do to make it more resilient. And for the example for that, I'd bring up stuff like, you know, um, when you when you have systems that are based on enforcements of basic rights of, of you know, housing as a human right makes it very difficult for people to then infringe on that housing right. Um, and, and, and some of the examples I would give is, you know, like, look, I know that police, police are still a huge problem today, but private citizens trying to lynch someone in America nowadays, they're going to have a fucking problem. And just about like in anywhere now that if they can keep all keep it hush hush and do their thing, there it is. But I, you know, and, and look, you could say that some of this stuff, you know, some of the neglect that's happening in Jackson, Mississippi and Flint, Michigan are these new versions of, uh, you know, uh, apartheid in a way, you know, or these nuanced, more nuanced, more like, uh, uh, I don't know, like anti-black measures, definitely anti-black, but you know, like, like modern, I don't even want to say lynchings, but you get the point. But having that basic establishment of the right that like, no, if you do this, it's the system punishes you, you're done. I think there's a lot of utility to that. And I would give the example of, I mean, look, and you know, I'm not the biggest, I have a lot of problems with China. But the fact that billionaires in China can just get walked out to the back and just executed like anyone else. The fact that they are, the fact that they are subject to the criminal justice system does change the way that they behave. And I don't think the best enforcement mechanism for anything is criminal justice generally, like this idea of punishment. Uh, I've talked extensively about how the data just does not support that right? It's treating everything that goes into it before that. Like people don't just commit crimes most of the time because they just want to be criminals. They commit crimes because, you know, like shit gets messed up. They don't have, they, they, it's most crimes are crimes of necessity. Um, so it's always more useful to treat the incentives that go into the crime than it is to treat, you know, to punish afterwards. There's not very much utility to punishing people really at oh, all. Oh man. You, know? you see that? You see that shit on Rising today? That free and there. This this point was just brought up, and this dude tried to honestly say that there is no, there is no long term empirical evidence that um, reductions in crime are, are achieved by you know sort of adjusting preemptive, you know. What you just said, I'm having trouble with words at this point, but... That sounds ridiculous, though. They tried to argue that on Rising? Oh, yeah, they tried it by... They mm. did. Did Brie and get him? the end of the segment, so Brianna didn't get to get him. I was like, oh, I know, she's gonna get him. Yeah, she gonna get him. He saved that, he saved, he saved that comment for last, because he, and he's lucky that he did, because you know. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I think what you, what you said is right, though, by... Yeah, I I hope it is. And look, you know, like, oh God, maybe Brie would do a radar, a radar or something on that too, just to because I hate that shit. Like, there, there's that's just neglecting all data, honestly. All data. Like, 
Okay. It's like all data. You have to you have to be willingly trying to be misleading uh, to say shit like that. In the same way, you know, when when people were talking about the student loan cancellation and they're talking about how it's elitist, you you have to. That's someone who already has an ideological bent and wants to put out a point, not someone who is actually interested in telling you the truth about things. But, you know, like... Pure, uh, unadulterated clouting is what it is. Yeah, clouting. That's it. <laughs> Need to get smacked. Is that the... What, what, what do you think, Dr. Nono? Is that the diagnosis? <laughs> yeah, sounds about right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, Ja, listen, one of these days you're going to have to do some of the, the musical numbers that you're working on for us, because that would be that'd be awesome. I'm sure we'd all love to hear oh, it. Oh, shit. Trust me. Y'all don't want to hear me singing these things. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm yeah. actually trying to set up some recording sessions with some um, wonderful singers that I've known for years. And I'm like, hey, will you do these demos for me so that I can have some things to pitch these production companies that are not me squeaking into the microphone for the women's parts? And Yeah. You know I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. I cannot wait to show y'all these tunes and, and to um, share this story with y'all. The musical is called Waskaf. That is, uh, the, that is, it is the Wascap company. Okay. So, speaking of that's that, okay. That's it. cool. Yeah, I like that. I like that. That's fantastic. Yeah. I, I well, I'm looking forward to it. I'm really, really looking forward to it. And if you ever just want to, you know, give us a little preview or just you know DM me, give us you know here's a link to some shit we were writing. That would be that'd be awesome. I'd love to hear it. Yeah, I mean, and there's stuff on my Instagram too, but it's very, very cryptic at this point because, again, I, I don't. I'm at the point. I'm at the stage where I, I you know, I can't share too much of the material without um, sounding crazy. Um, and you guys <laughs> having to hear my voice sing it. Right. So there you go. But soon, by and when it gets produced, if it gets produced, front row tickets, bruh. You are bruh. Know. I will be there. I'll be there. We, and, and Dr. No-No, you're coming too. Oh, of yes. course. I wouldn't miss it for the world. <laughs> oh, no. What happened to Marco? Marco oh, I don't back. know. Oh, Marco and Sonia. I was getting ready to go right over to them, but... Um, I done suck up the time by my bad, bro. Uh, it's fine. We can... Maybe we'll make it a short a short episode today. Uh, that I, I don't want to take up too much of your time, Dr. No-No, but... No, I mean, I'm off. I'm... I mean, you guys have questions. I'm here, so. Are you hungry? I am very hungry, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I think Dr. Nona might might want a little a little meal. <laughs> okay, we're inviting her to the chicken dinner by. That's right. Joe owes me a chicken dinner too, so that's that's part of it. Nice. So we'll make sure that happens. But uh, yeah, you know what? We'll make it a shorter episode today, actually, and we'll just uh, I'll release the two parts and we'll, we'll go from that. But, um, Ja, I appreciate you, uh, showing up every time, <laughs> whatever you can. And, uh, always, always appreciate your insights and, uh, really, uh, yeah, it's been cool. It's been cool. Thank you so much for calling in. Bye. It's always cool. Thank you for having me. You know, we could go on forever, <laughs> forever, forever, forever. And one of these days we will. Feeling. Yes, yeah. one of these days, fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joe, you take it easy. Take care. Right, bye. All right, bye. Well, Dr. Nono, do you have any... Um... It's just us now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, 
no, I was, this was a pleasure. I'm glad you invited me. Um, I hope my, whatever I said, um, resonated with some folks and, um, can I make a shameless plug for my podcast? Absolutely. I was about to plug <laughs> it again. Dr. Nono, you are a very famous podcaster already. Oh, not at all. Not at all. You get a lot of views. It's a good, it's a, it's a good podcast. Uh, we trying. So I actually work with, um, three other people from my, uh, uh, residency program from Cook County. And uh, we have a podcast called Chocolate with a Side of Medicine. Um, so we're available on Spotify, Apple, and uh, Google. And kind of like what Bai does with his podcast, we kind of put like a little entertaining spin on, you know, health topics that are relevant to the community. So if you guys have a chance, um, feel free to check us out. Uh, we're on a summer break right now, but we're going to start back up probably towards end of September. But we have about two seasons worth of material on those uh, places that I mentioned earlier. So feel free to come check us out. Yeah, Chocolate with a Side of Medicine is a fantastic podcast. And they, too, um, do dating episodes and <laughs> other things. And if you could hear the stories that these doctors are dealing with in the dating world... My goodness. There's piss in the dating pool, and we talk about it at length. Whew. Yeah. I don't know what's more toxic, the, the water in Mississippi right now or um, <laughs> the dating pool for black doctors in, uh, who are a chocolate with <laughs> the side of medicine. But they're, it's pretty bad. Pretty bad. <laughs> but, um, you know, Dr. Nunn, I appreciate you being here. Um, you know, come back anytime. We'll do another podcast. Talk about, uh, I don't know, maybe we can talk about dating or something. Oh Lord. <laughs> Who knows? But uh, you know, it's, it's whatever, but look, everyone, I, I really appreciate you all coming out. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, and it's a crisis and it's one of these crises where we've seen it become worse and worse in the past couple of decades. Uh, it's going to continue to grow worse. Look, this is, this is not uh, Mississippi is not an isolated incident already in in the United States. Um, and we're not even, you know, that's not even accounting for Pakistan. Pakistan is not going to be an isolated incident. And I don't know if we have to feel more of these actual pressures as they happen at home. I don't know what's going to actually wake people up to the fact that this is a time to put pressure on the government to do what it should be doing in the first place. Which, look, my philosophy is this. If you're born into a system where you you don't get to choose the place of your birth, you don't get to choose your parents, you don't get to choose your environment when you're coming up, and you don't get to choose the fact that, you know, for things like where we live, you, you pay taxes, you are under laws, which were written before you were here, um, you have to attend schools here. You have to do, there's a lot of things that you have to do that you're compelled to do. And there's a social contract, which should be the fact that you're forced and compelled to be a part of this society means that you get certain things back. You should have access to clean, drinkable water. Literally is something that you cannot survive without. So for a government to be making excuses, the richest, imagine you're born into the richest nation in the world and they're making excuses for the constant failures of their water infrastructure. 
Meanwhile, still taking tax dollars and sending them to God knows where. Uh, while neglecting to fix the actual infrastructure that you're forced to live under. I, I just don't accept that. I don't accept that. No one should accept that. It's unacceptable. The lack of coverage around Jackson, Mississippi, the lack of coverage of even the, 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 the ongoing crisis in Pakistan is abominable. And I just... Hmm. I think the more eyes that we can put on this, if nothing else, memorialize the fact that this is happening and force people to to know about it. You know, don't let this die. Don't let this die because a lot of people there are in dire straits and could be dying too. And I don't know. I'm I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. Anyway, thank you all for joining. Really appreciate you all. Dr. Nono, thanks again. Anytime. Uh, and remember, chocolate with a side of medicine available on all platforms where podcasts are found. All right, everyone. Take care.